Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. continuing to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon finals, Major League Baseball, latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get your bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. As always, uh, appreciate you being with us and making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. Today uh, is Monday, July 4th, 2022. So happy 4th of July to all of you and yours. And I uh, hope that you are celebrating and having a great time. Um, I will be doing the same as well, celebrating, uh, obviously, Independence Day and uh, the birth of the country. So I uh, look forward to uh, um, hearing about your stories of fun and everything else. And, and again, thanks for being with us. So today we're talking about a very interesting issue uh, that has come up, and it's about UCLA and USC's move to the Big Ten Conference from the Pac-12. This is uh, news that highlighted the entire news cycle for the week. Uh, it was announced on June 30th uh, and has been the biggest thing in the news really uh, over the past few days and will probably continue to be uh, as this thing pans out and as likely the, the move of UCLA and USC uh, and what that means for other conferences, particularly the Pac-12 and the Big 12 since those have been the two schools that have uh, essentially lost the most teams. Uh, teams have not necessarily left the ACC or uh, the SEC. They've only added teams. Um, so it's been interesting. And of course, the Pac-12 had not been a victim, so to speak, of losing teams, uh, had really been a part of the adding of teams when they added the University of Colorado and obviously the University of Utah a few years ago. So uh, again, this is such an interesting topic and what we're really gonna talk about today, obviously the big news is UCLA and USC moving east for opportunity, right? They're moving to the big 10. So we're gonna break this down in terms of talking about television dollars. We're gonna talk about interesting scheduling matchups and travel plans. We'll talk about recruiting and national exposure. And then we'll close with talking about the effect of name, image and likeness and what play if any, that that had in the decision-making with regard to uh, UCLA and USC leaving uh, for the Big Ten Conference from the Pac-12. So if we back up a little bit and we look at what has happened and what's transpired over the last decade, we've had a situation where we had um, the Big 12 lose uh, quite a number of schools. You had Texas A&M leave to the SEC you had uh, University of Missouri leave. 
Uh, now we've had University of Texas at Austin and the University of Oklahoma leave for the SEC. So we've had a lot of changes, right? And now the Big 12 has added the University of Houston and uh, BYU, Brigham Young University out of Provo, Utah, uh, all in this sort of this name of um, sort of adding more uh, universities to the conference lineup for television dollars, for what have you, uh, to compete with everybody else, that sort of thing. And the SEC has been uh, a huge benefactor of this, and, and clearly their television dollars are proof of that. They also tend to have a lot of teams being represented in the national championship and also uh, in the college playoff. And just in general, the, um, the, the top teams in that conference uh, generally have national exposure. Some people would argue that this is because of, um, you know, media bias. Like that might be the case, but that we're not going to argue that here. I think uh, ultimately the SEC has been successful, and I think you need to give credit where credit is due. And then, of course, the ACC has added some schools, Louisville and, um, and a few other schools. Uh, they've also added Notre Dame in football, but we'll sort of see uh, how that plays out uh, in the, um, you know, obviously in the, in the coming sort of years and months. And it's sort of been interesting because, uh, and they've also added um, a few other schools, the ACC has in addition to, uh, to Louisville uh, and, and, and Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh being one of them uh, and then Notre Dame and then Louisville. But there's now some calls that maybe uh, Notre Dame might uh, join up with the Big Ten and maybe there might be a mystery school that joins. There's been talk about Oregon and Stanford that's probably all conjecture at this point. I think the likelihood of Notre Dame joining Big Ten is probably pretty strong considering geographically where Notre Dame, where Notre Dame sits. And this might make a lot of sense where you have some rivalries with USC, uh, the potential for growth and other rivalries. And of course, again, the ge ge geographical um, sort of uh, space in terms of Notre Dame, um, you know, and sort of where it sits in the, in the upper Midwest and then, of course, um, you know, Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio State. And uh, there's just a lot of uh, competition uh, uh, sort of specifically in that space. So uh, where we sort of find ourselves is these conferences have added more teams over the years. Uh, the Power Five conferences, which is uh, the Pac-12, the SEC, the ACC, Big Ten and Big 12, um, have created sort of this Power Five dynamic where they essentially um, operate under different rules outside of the NCAA. The NCAA has continued to lose sort of influence and power, particularly with the NIL, uh, introduction of NIL and them sort of allowing that to occur, but not necessarily being the strongest uh, player in the space of um, regulation, probably has something to do with resources uh, and sort of um, maybe trying to figure out where their future is. Ultimately, I think the NCAA should play a role in this. I think they should be involved in regulation. Uh, they should be involved in NIL. Um, I think that's the only way that it really makes sense as opposed to self-regulation, but we'll see how this plays out. Uh, my guess would be NCAA would come out with some more rigorous rules regarding NIL as we sort of proceed into the summer and before we get into fall football. But uh, that's yet to be seen. But you know, back to the move of UCLA and USC from the Pac-12, which leaves them now with 10 teams. Um, at both of those universities' uh, history dates back to the 1920s. 
uh, the late 1920s at that. The conference originally started in 1922. Uh, and then of course, as I mentioned in recent years, the PAC used to be the PAC-10 and prior to that, it was the PAC-8. Uh, the PAC-12 uh, has now lost UCLA and USC and they've added in recent years, University of Colorado and University of Utah. Who knows what that conference is going to do uh, first of all, I can understand from the Pac-12 standpoint how, to, how much of a shocker this was, uh, but it leaves Cal Berkeley, Stanford, Arizona State, Arizona, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, and Washington State as the remaining teams, along with Colorado and University of Utah. Who knows what teams they add? Um, you know, you've got a Fresno State, you have San Diego State, you've got Boise State, Boise State, who is actually a, a former affiliate member of the Pac-12. Um, we'll see. We'll see where that goes and what are those schools are the brands that the Pac-12 will want to add or whether, you know, maybe it's the, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 that get together because uh, those two conferences have, you know, are now the two that have probably had uh, the most significant effect in terms of losing teams um, in, the, in the Power Five. There's obviously been other conferences that have been affected even more than this, particularly as you have schools that have left um, other conferences to join so, and of course, the Big 12 has added a ton of teams, um, you know, again, BYU, Houston, uh, TCU, and some other teams that have sort of made the, uh, the move up the ladder, if you will, into the Power Five. But now UCLA and USC joined the Big Ten Conference in 2024, which, by the way, is a year earlier than when Texas and Oklahoma will join the SEC. But USC and UCLA will be joining um, Ohio State, um, University of Michigan, um, Michigan State, Indiana University, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Penn State, uh, Illinois, Iowa, Maryland, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Rutgers. And of course, Rutgers, Maryland, and Penn State uh, being the most recent additions uh, of schools to uh, that conference. So this really makes the Big Ten the Big 16. Um, there's no sort of rumors of the name changing. I think they're going to stick with the Big Ten, but uh, in terms of name recognition and that sort of thing, but um, the Big 16 is sort of what it is now. And if Notre Dame and another mystery school join the Big Ten, you, you're essentially, you know, possibility for the Big 18. And of course, if the Pac-12 and the Big 12 join up, you have potential for 22 teams. Of course, this is all conjecture, by the way. The only confirmed move at this point is UCLA and USC are going to the Big Ten. So it, it will be, at least for one year, the Big Ten will be the largest um, Power Five conference in the country and potentially one of the largest conferences in the country. SEC, once they add um, Oklahoma and Texas, will also have 16 teams. The ACC has 15 teams, but there's some potential there that Notre Dame might go back to the Big Ten, particularly with UCLA and USC joining them. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and of course, if the, um, you know, once the big uh, 12 adds Brigham Young University and University of Houston, they'll be back to 12 schools, uh, which is obviously their namesake as the big 12. So what does this all mean? Why did these moves happen? Um, what are the challenges and opportunities that are created by UCLA and USC's moves to the big 10? Let's get into it. As I mentioned, television dollars, you know, there's a stark difference by the way, between the financial distributions um, of television dollars between the SEC and the Big Ten compared to the Pac-12, ACC, and Big 12, particularly between uh, the Pac-12 and the other conferences. 
And which is surprising to me when you consider Los Angeles being such a huge market, it may have just been when they negotiated their contract. Um, it may have just been negotiation in general. But at the end of the day, UCLA took down basically the least amount of money amongst the schools. They took about, about $19 million. That ranged up to about 30, depending on the year. But from 2020, 2021, obviously pandemic years. So I want to keep that in, in mind. But $19 million was the number. Big 10 was roughly between 40 and 50. And then the SEC was over $50 million. So you talk about a stark contrast. I mean, by UCLA and USC moving to the Big Ten, they are essentially doubling uh, their revenue. And this all in consideration of the fact that UCLA just reported that they had $65.2 million in athletic department debt for 2021. So do you think that extra you know, 20 to $30 million is going to help? I think so. And we may even now that you add UCLA and USC uh, to the Big Ten, and you add second, potentially the first, you know, sort of largest or the largest market in the in the country, um, that's definitely going to help the Big Ten in its current negotiation of a television contract. Uh, arguably, they're going to pull down more money than the SEC, since the SEC's deal is already done. And of course, these deals tend to go up over time. So we may be talking about $60 million a year for these schools. So uh, money is obviously a factor in this. Um, and of course, UCLA as a public school uh, tends to struggle a little bit. Um, they obviously have some great donors and fundraisers, and but they struggle to compete with USC as a private school. And of course, USC has had more success uh, of late with regard to football, UCLA obviously in basketball, but that's the current market. And, and we'll sort of see how that shakes up over the, the coming years and months. The interesting uh, part of this is uh, schedule matchups and travel plans. When you look at a map and you see UCLA and USC, you see all the way southwest corner of the United States and Los Angeles, California. Um, I guess with a particular focus that the Rose Bowls in Pasadena and then Coliseums in downtown Los Angeles, you know, only, you know, uh, a few miles apart. Um, you know, it was, I think it's about 10 miles or so, less than 10 miles. So um, it, it's, it's an interesting thing because um, you're going to have the potential for Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State visiting the Rose Bowl during the regular season. Um, and, and of course, as you know, uh, the Rose Bowl game every year on January 1st, the New Year's sort of New Year's game, New Year's Day game, uh, usually pits the Pac 12 winner against the Big Ten winner. Of course, that now changes uh, potentially uh, in the sense that who knows what's going to happen with the college football playoff. Will, 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 you know, essentially the Rose Bowl be in that rotation? Will it not be? Will it keep its date on January 1st? Uh, what happens if, you know, let's say UCLA or USC uh, went out in the Big Ten and they represent the Big Ten in the championship against the Pac-12? Of course, there's going to be some added rivalries there now because UCLA and USC have left. Uh, and this is probably a huge shocker to the other schools. And... Um, but again, so there's an increased rivalry there, but then also imagine UCLA and USC playing in primetime matchups, uh, playing in the morning or playing in the mid-afternoon versus seven o'clock games. Uh, so this is obviously gonna help uh, in terms of national exposure where most people are asleep east of the Rocky Mountains and the Mississippi River uh, when, uh, when UCLA and USC play at 7 p.m. here on the West Coast, which is 10 in the East and, um, and, and nine in the Midwest. So of course, uh, there's this huge ge geographical you know, gap. There's this financial gap between the conferences. 
Um, but again, uh, travel goes both ways, right? Because as much as UCLA and USC can be traveling east, those teams are going to have to travel west because you split your schedule. You're going to play half your games, you know, away and half of your games at home. So we're going to see some really cool matchups. I mean, imagine seeing UCLA and USC in Happy Valley at Penn State or at the Big House in Michigan or at Ohio State. Uh, imagine the basketball games for UCLA and the potential growth for USC basketball and the vice versa for UCLA football. This, you know, presents a lot of opportunities for UCLA and USC to grow kind of the sink or swim mentality in terms of what will happen. Um, I think the Big Ten probably gets more notoriety uh, than uh, the Pac-12, but uh, arguably the Pac-12 is, is a competitive conference. It's got great schools. Um, its namesake is the Conference of Champions. You know, this is no knock on the Pac-12. It's just that ultimately I think UCLA and USC thought they could make more money uh, and could compete more with national other national schools in uh, a bigger market, so to speak. Uh, and I think the realignment, I think um, uh, there's a few other factors here, name, image, and likeness. I think recruiting and national exposure, which we'll get into next. All these things have created this environment where UCLA and USC thought, hey, this is an opportunity for us to, um, to really join the Big Ten and see where this goes. And of course, uh, a little history on this, the Pac-12, Big Ten, and um, the ACC all signed a pack. What was it last week that they were going to, or not last week, um, last year, when they were going to essentially have this pack of we're going to play together, we're going to work together. Of course, that's you know uh, now possibly non-existent because these two schools have left, but it still could mean that these conferences could work together. It'd probably be in their best interest to do that particularly in terms of competing with the SEC and what they have going there. But again, maybe this means, you know, the Big 12 teams up with the, with, with the Pac-12. Uh, it could mean a host of other things. Um, but of course, something a little known fact people didn't know, the Big 10 and the Pac-12 already had um, scheduling alliances and they were already playing each other. And if you look at the two conferences around the, the, the really the power five around the country, the two conferences that were most similar were the Big Ten and the Pac-12 in terms of their teams, in terms of the academics, um, in terms of where the conferences were set up, the way they approached um, uh, legislative affairs. They were both very, very similar and both similar in terms of output championships and, and athletes and that sort of thing. So uh, it's not surprising that UCLA and USC, um, it's surprising that they left. It's not surprising that they chose the Big Ten. So recruiting a national exposure, this may be one of the most important pieces of this move. Uh, what this does for UCLA and USC is it gives them national name recognition beyond what they already have. It puts them in the Midwest and the East Coast where they have the potential to have fans all the way from Los Angeles to New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Uh, increased geography is gonna help with recruiting. Um, the time frames of the games is gonna help with, uh, with sort of East Coast uh, news coverage. Um, this is uh, the potential for something really big at this point. Uh, and again, it's a, seek or, a sink or swim uh, reality here. Either you know UCLA and USC play up to the competition or they don't. Um, I don't think they're going to have a problem with the competition. I might be wrong in that. Um, you know, usually there's transition problems, but it's not unheard of for um, you know a new team to join a league, so to speak, and and to be successful depending on what kind of talent they're bringing in the door. But I think. 
Uh, UCLA over the last few years has been trending up. Um, USC had a bad season last year, but they've obviously uh, brought in a great coach in Lincoln Riley. So we'll see where that takes them uh, this year. But I think this is going to be really, really big. And, you know, from a selfish standpoint, I'm going to, you know, being a Los Angeles in the Los Angeles area and being a Los Angeles resident, you know, for so many years, um, it's one of those things where uh, I'm going to, you know, pretty, I'm going to enjoy, you know, going to the Rose Bowl and watching uh, some of these big name schools from the Midwest playing on a regular basis and sort of seeing how that plays out. And, you know, one thing to think about for this is, you know, how during the beginning of a season, you might have UCLA and USC play three out of conference games, right? Well, there's nothing to say that those out of conference games can't be Pac-12 teams. So you could see UCLA playing Stanford, Cal, and maybe one other team, and they could rotate that one other team. So maybe it's Oregon one year, Oregon State the next year. And then the rest of the games are against big, Big Ten opponents. So this is really the best of both worlds for UCLA and USC. And frankly, um, in, in their best interest would probably leave now uh, versus something down the road. So again, key component here is recruiting and national exposure. Obviously, television dollars is a big deal. Scheduling matchups and travel is, is going to be a, a big issue, both good and bad. And the last piece really here is the effect of name, image, and likeness. Now, it's not the argument that NIL caused this to happen because clearly conference realignment, realignment was occurring prior to NIL. But I will say that NIL has exasperated the recent growth because what happened is, and what is happening is that you have schools now, right or wrong, or whether this was the purpose or not, using NIL to recruit athletes to their schools. So, and of course, if you look at what the conferences have done, you know, the Pac-12 hired uh, a former entertainment and gaming executive out of Las, Las Vegas to be its, um, to be its commissioner. Uh, the Big 12 has hired a former Rock Nation COO to be its commissioner. Of course, Rock Nation being the business of representing athletes. So the changes in college sports, um, yes, it's about money, but it's about competing. You know, if UCLA and USC want to be on uh, a larger map, larger exposure, they, they had to make the move out of the Pac-12. Right or wrong, how you feel about that? A lot of people are upset about this. And I'm not saying that I'm not. You know, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a, it is a big deal and there's a lot of emotion involved. But in terms of what we're talking about on this show and, and sticking with um, the factual side of it versus the emotional side, uh, UCLA and USC, I think, will benefit um, in a very, very big way from this move financially, exposure, everything else. This creates just huge opportunities. I mean, the reality of this is this. If you have Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and all these big schools from the, from the Midwest coming to California to play in the Rose Bowl, play in the Coliseum, um, play in the Galen Center for basketball, uh, play in Poly Pavilion uh, for basketball for UCLA. I mean, these are gonna be huge games. UCLA has the potential to sell out the Rose Bowl it's essentially like having the Rose Bowl game, you know, eight times a year, potentially with who your you know opponent is, right? So, uh, and of course, every conference has its have and have nots, right? You know, you're for, you know, for the Pac-12, you know, you have teams that maybe are not competing for national championships every year. The Big 12 has the same thing. The SEC has the same thing. The ACC has the same thing. Some schools are better at one sport versus another. But the reality of all this is, is that this is a huge benefit to UCLA and USC. It's sort of interesting that they've had to move east for the opportunity. Um, 
but um, we'll sort of see how it plays out. But again, folks, thanks for listening in. This is uh, Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast. This is uh, episode 27 of season four. Happy July 4th to you, wishing you uh, all the best um, and uh, looking forward to being back with you uh, next week. And thank you again for making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube